Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 110 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. I'm Gary with my partner in crime, Byron. How are you doing today, Byron? I'm doing well, trying to be a smooth criminal, as as they say, I guess. Yeah, hey, and when we're talking about partner in crime, we really don't break laws. Or at least I try not to. We're not not together. Yeah, yeah. So we, (laughs) you know, we try not to uh, commit crimes. Say no to crimes. (laughs) Very wholesome uh, start to the, to the, uh, to the podcast there and crime free, you know, don't, uh, don't be bad. Um, Hey, thinking of, speaking of a good start to our show, we have an awesome interview this week with uh, Sarah Black. Uh, she's a recent black belt, uh, July of 2015, under Gustavo Dantes, who's a previous guest. But uh, we have an interview with her. You do not want to miss it. A lot of good stuff there and uh, very entertaining. Yeah, high-level competitor. She. Uh, the last thing, I think one of the last things she did as a brown belt was uh, 2015 IBJF World Championships. Uh, she won uh, gold at, at her weight class, uh, lightweight. And then so far in 2015, she's been, uh, been on fire. She's won no-gi, uh, tournaments and, and, uh, she, many times she'll go in and she'll win like the middle weight and she'll go in and, and, and get silver gold in the open weight. And that's just amazing. And, and she's got Masters World Championships gold at lightweight and silver at open weight. And, uh, so gi, no-gi, she does it all. And she's competing in the adult divisions as well as Masters. And, and, uh, her, her game, she started with judo. She's got a, uh, a nice list of judo accomplishments as well, but uh, she's bringing that over to jujitsu and how she's able to, to use some of that and how she's able to like her focus on what she's going to learn today, you know, like and how she's going to relate that to her game. That's that's interesting approach to to switching from one art to the other and how she's doing that and how she's doing that at a high level. I'm I was just fascinated by that. So basically with her judo and jiu-jitsu, she's going to throw you on your head while you're dizzy. She's going to choke you unconscious or break your arm. What a combination. There you go. And it's been a great combination, I think, for Sarah Black. And, of course, we talk about the mental side of jiu-jitsu as well. You know, we got a student of Gustavo Dantes. Of course, you can't miss miss out on talking to somebody who's yeah. a, the BJJ mental coach. Uh, definitely check that out. We've, we've talked about it before. But, you know, the mental side is is so very important also. And a lot of people do not train that side or forget about that side. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a very important side of things. Um, Gary, we do a show here every week, and so far we've been pretty good at that. Um, if you want to get reminded of our show, uh, an easy way would be to go subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast at. Another another way to make sure you get the show notes and all the information we're going to send out with it is to go to our website bjbrick dot com and fill out the little name and email address form and we'll send you every Tuesday the show notes and, and uh, basic show information of what's happening this week on the podcast. So uh, it's been a great way to stay in touch with the audience and that way you won't forget to, oh, new show's up. You know, it's it's already Monday's past, it's Tuesday and they're letting us know what's happening. So it's been a, been a great way to keep in, in touch with our new friends out there. And if you want to support our show, check out our our. Are. I guess it's Byron's audiobook, uh, Your First Year in BJJ. 
Uh, we have a link to it on our show notes there and on our Facebook page. But basically, it's it's like our podcast here, Byron talking for about two and a half hours, walking you through your first year of jujitsu and kind of helping you uh, helping you with all the roadblocks and everything that might come up within your first year to make your first year so much more uh, enjoyable and, and get so much more out of your jujitsu in your first year, which is a the first year is so important to keep you going. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, your first year in BJJ, two and a half hours of jujitsu audio instruction from Byron, and it's only eleven dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, so definitely check it out. Yep, and you can find uh, links to that on our website or in the show notes that are emailed to you every week. Gary, I know we have a great quote this week about effort and attitude. What do we have? Hey, we have Chuck Wilson this week. Byron, who is Chuck Wilson? <laughs> he is a uh, – I'm guessing it's a guy because his name is Chuck. But, uh, you know, I typed in – I was looking for quotes about effort because I, I really like, like the idea of giving, you know, all of your effort to something. And uh, and this one I really liked. So I, I, I passed 50 quotes until I found this one, and this one settled with me. Yeah. And So here we go. Well, thank you, Chuck. But uh, uh, his quote, there are two things in life of which we have complete control, effort and attitude. So true. Um, you know, you, you just go out and you just do it. You, you, you're at practice, you're at school, you're at work. You come in with a positive attitude and you just go in, you, you strap on your, your work clothes and your training clothes and you just do it. You work hard. You work harder than everybody else. You, as long as you're not injured, you can give, you know, tremendous effort out there. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, everybody else is going to see that. You, let's talk about in your, your jujitsu room, all that effort you're given and that great attitude. The rest of your team's going to see that. Most of those guys are motivated. Most of those men and women, they're going to try to train as hard as you. And next thing you know, you're all getting better. You're all just training harder. You all got a great attitude. You're all putting forth, you know, just tremendous amount of effort. And, and everybody is, is reaping the rewards. Yeah, th- those are uh, effort and attitude. That's what you control. You cannot control uh, so much in life. You know what happens to you. You, you have a you have a bad day. You know your attitude will, will really play big into how that how you handle that. And your effort to me, effort is huge. Gary, let's 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 pretend we've got we've got little blue belt Gary here, okay? And you're getting ready to do a competition, okay? How do you feel? Scared. You're scared, a little nervous. I don't, I wouldn't guess you'd be, yeah. Yeah, not scared, nervous. <laughs> yeah. Nervous. But, but oh, go ahead. It, so, I, so I'm talking to, talking to you here, Gary, about your tournament, and I tell you, I want you to go out there and I, and I want you to win. I, I, you, Gary, you got an awesome Kimura, uh, and, and I want you to go out there, I want you to get your Kimura and, and, and win this match. That's, that's the, that's decent, you know, like, like that's probably what I would expect Gary to do. But if I tell Gary this, Gary, you might win yes. and you might lose, but if you go out there and you don't quit and you give a hundred percent of yourself in this match, you don't leave anything behind. Gary, I want you to, to go out there and I want you to fight smart and I want you to fight hard and show your heart to everybody who's watching your match. And, and if you win, it's going to be amazing. And even if you lose, if you give your effort, I'll be super happy that you went out there and you competed with your effort and your heart. 
that to me is is a is a very a powerful thing to to watch a student go out there and give their effort into this and to even if you go out there Gary and you're losing the first few minutes of it and you're not quitting you're hanging in there you're trying to fight you're you're working from bad spots you know I I really respect students and and practitioners who go out there and they have to overcome some bumps in the road it's not you know they have a tough fight and if they win great if they don't if they don't win that's fine too but if they give up that's that's kind of hard to watch a student kind of get defeated and give up so i i reward effort i i really appreciate people who who try hard that's that's very inspiring to me to watch somebody try hard and and i try to do the same yeah I, i'm totally with you there it's just uh that attitude that effort you're just going out there you're giving everything and and it's not just in the uh in uh in a match i like what really inspires me i like to see the person who is not the most talented maybe not the most athletic but just goes out there every day in practice and you just see that person working so hard and uh may just be getting beat over and over again it kind of reminds me of like wrestling practice like uh, being the bottom guy in that wrestling room you're just getting beat over and over again and you're getting beat up bad but you just keep getting back up keep going at it and as long as you don't quit and you have that give that effort and have that attitude you're getting better every day and you know you see that same person three or four years down the road and they're a superstar they just kept kept going and never quit they as you said they had that effort and attitude and uh, uh just hard working individual yeah and you you could totally control your effort i mean if, if i'm up against somebody who's going to you know world class competitor they're going to beat me but uh, if I give 100%, I can feel good about uh, what happened. If if I go in there and I'm and I'm timid and I kind of uh, I don't fight very well, I'm nervous. I know they're going to beat me anyway. What's it really matter? Um, yeah, this this choke is kind of tight, but I'm not going to probably get out of it. I should probably just go ahead and tap. Like that is hard to go home feeling like you like you had a good experience. Give all your effort. Just dump it into to, to what you're doing at the moment. Um, give your effort during training. Train hard, you know. Train smart, but 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 doing things like half-heartedly is is difficult to to, uh, to progress, and it's and it's hard as a coach to watch sometimes. You know, most students aren't giving one hundred percent all the time. That's just the reality of it. But but the ones who can give one hundred percent, like a lot of the time, those people do great. Yeah, and everybody's at different stages in life too. Some people may only be training for fun some people are training for world championships some people are 60 years old some are 20 years old you know everybody's a little bit different but uh when you go out there i i do think everybody wants to get better and the way you get better is you don't have to train every day but like byron said don't don't you know half hard everything you know drill hard drill smart work hard work smart and uh and you're going to get better. Yeah. And, and like the quote says, there's only really a couple things in life you control. And these are two of them. Um, you know, there's so much in our lives that are out of our control. You know, our health, our, I guess some ways our health is in our control, but a lot, you get sick and be perfectly healthy and fit and work out in a good diet and you can still get sick. And, and, and so can people you care about and, and you could lose your job, you know, no fault of your own. Your attitude, your effort, you control those. Uh, and, and they go a long way to, to having success on and off the mat. So I really enjoyed yeah. that quote. Great quote. Thank you, Chuck Wilson. The music is telling us to keep things moving along here, and we'll move right along to our article from our friend at learningbjj.com. She's going to share a, kind of like a story or, or 
yeah, I guess the story is called I Almost Quit Jiu-Jitsu. Basically, with this uh, article she wrote, it was kind of at the time where she needed to to renew her her fee, and she's like, "Well, do I want to do this? Do I want to keep paying money to the to this gym where I go and I get beat up and I get smashed, and, and it's and it, it's kind of losing its fun, and and it, I feel like I'm not getting any better, which I think is a very common feeling, you know? Because here's the secret: everybody at the gym already knows jujitsu. So none of the moves you learned the night or the night before or the week before are going to work very easily on somebody who already knows you. Just it's it's difficult to do a technique to somebody who knows the technique. So and you don't get a whole lot of new students in to practice these new techniques on. And even when you do, they might be bigger and stronger, or you know. So um, it, it, I think she reached a point where she was pretty frustrated with uh, her, her development in jiu-jitsu and, and just the whole situation of, of training and, uh, you know, the cost, um, not necessarily of just money, but of time and, and energy and heart and, and all these things that jiu-jitsu was taking. And she had to consider what she was going to do. Yeah, and what I liked about this article is I think just about everybody has went through this unless you're the – guy who you know there's always that one person who just takes to this so quickly and you know after two months is tapping out everybody but (laughs) I, i you know i just think so many people have had this question in their head and and i i bet the majority of the people when you have this question in your head probably just quit and you know i just think it was great that you know she she reached out to people she you know, to instructors, to friends, and uh, and kept going. You know, figured out maybe maybe she needs to ask better questions. Maybe instead of uh, uh, you know talking about you know I'm getting smashed, I'm spending a lot of money. Let's try to figure out how to get out of this side control. Uh, but uh, that's what I thought was so great about this article is I, I just think this article is going to touch so many people, so many newer jujitsu people, and, and trying to get over that hump. And I think that's. Uh, uh, she's doing a great service by writing this to to help people out. Yeah, she had. I mean, she was going through several things that were frustrating to her. She also had a training partner that she really got attached to, and, and she felt like she was doing good with. And her coach said, "Stop training with this person all the time. It's not not helping either one of you. So you're gonna have to train with people that you you may not uh, know so well, and you you haven't built up that trust yet with the, with the person. And it's time to you know get out of that comfort zone again, and uh, you know start to start." training with different people and that i think that bothered her quite a bit and, and so she was really considering she texts one of her coaches and asks, you know is this worth it, it, it i don't feel like this is i'm questioning whether this is worth it and it, i think one of the things i took away from this is that she has somebody to text text and ask that question to versus just yeah. sit at home and think about that question because uh, it's so easy to tell yourself things aren't worth it, you know. But when you have a, the, it's a team. It's a support network. It's, that's awesome. You said it's a team. It's you know, we all help each other out. We all know what we're going through. But another thing I like about this article, if you go down and you read the uh, replies from uh, uh, you know readers, I like uh, Calvin. Uh, Calvin, the very last one, or. By the time you read this, it may not be the last, but uh, he's, he's a white belt, and he said he struggles with technique and coming to terms of stuff there. But what I like is he puts – he's talking about higher belts often uh, post questions that they can't even comprehend and crush us with it. But as you progress, you start seeing the pattern again and again. Eventually, you figure out what questions needs to be answered. 
And he also talks about, we don't know how many vari- variations there are, so it's not easy to figure out the solutions to them. And here's what I really like. That's the magic of jiu-jitsu and why we have to keep learning. Uh, there's so much to learn. If you keep going, you're going to learn them. Learn, you know, the techniques. But And I, his very, very last sentence, hang in there. It's not until you train with somebody who's completely new off the streets so you realize how far you've come. And that's just what you were talking about, Bob. Yeah. We, we train with each other every day. We all know each other's moves. And you, you're like, oh, boy, you know, nothing's really working. It's everybody's learning the same stuff, but you, somebody comes in off the streets or, or you train with somebody from another school and you're like, okay, this stuff does work. And, uh, it's very rewarding at that time, but, uh, it, it's just such a growth process. It, it's something you just, so you're not going to comprehend. You're not going to get it, you know, after one week, one year, <laughs> it's, it's all, you're always learning. Yeah. Always. Everybody we interview basically will tell you that they're still learning jiu-jitsu and we're not interviewing people who are new to jiu-jitsu you know yeah so um i like uh in this article maybe three quarters of the way through it she mentions you know instead of asking what do i always end up here why do i suck at jiu-jitsu why am i letting this dude throw me around and almost tap my neck she should be asking questions like what could i do from here what is he probably going to do next and how could i prevent that from happening what can I do to ensure our safety? Like, just ask different questions. And I, I like the, the question, what can I do from here? So she's, if, if you read the article, and I recommend that you do, and especially if you're new with jujitsu, go, go follow her on Facebook and, and keep up with this page because it's great to be able to share these similar feelings with, with another white belt and, and what's happening to you and, 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 and just watching her grow and, and progress as martial artist has been nice, but it's really relatable. I think that's why it's so popular of a blog is because she could relate to so many people, but, um, what can I do from here? So she's in psych control a lot on the bottom and it's not fun. Well, it's hard to get out of side control if if you go to class and and your teacher's going to got side control. <laughs> if you if you go to class and the day you learn you know rear naked choke and next week we're working on arm bars from mount and the week after that we do a guard pass and then um, you know like none of those things aren't are really helping you with your biggest problem. So invest a little time. You could do a private lesson. You could do um, you know some maybe some online research or or, or just tr- you need to grab one of the blue belts and, and and get a few ideas of how to escape psych control. And, and you need a few different answers for this problem. And that way, when you're in psych control and you're on the and, and you're on the bottom and it's miserable, you at least have a plan. You at least have something to try to do. When you have nothing to even try, it's, it is frustrating. When you're when you, when I'm stuck and Gary's got me in some weird Kimura and I don't even know you know where the where his other where his arms are. Really. Like I can't figure out what's going on. He's got me in some weird knot. I don't know what to do. And I and I would like to do something, but I risk you know doing the wrong thing. So if you're in psych control and you're confused and it's difficult for you, you need to do a little research. You need to get some help. And uh, and that will make that experience less frustrating. The technique may not work right away, and it may take a while for it to, to, to work for you. And, and maybe you need to find a different move, but you need to have something from there to work from. And, and that's I think that's one thing that we stress in the, or I stress in the audio book about uh, during your first year. You need a couple of moves from each position. and uh, Maybe they work, maybe they don't, but at least it will be less frustrating for you when you get there. Yeah, and it goes back to our quote, the uh, attitude part. You can have the attitude, it's like, boy, why do I suck so bad? Why am I just getting <laughs> thrown around? Why am I having this? Yeah. Or you can choose to have a positive attitude and say, hey, you know, I'm going to figure out how to get out of the side control. I'm going to figure out how to, you know, get this Kimura. I'm going to figure out. 
different things. And, uh, boy, and I, I see myself doing that at work a lot of times. I may have a terrible day at work and I might be down. And I'll stop and tell myself again, Gary, man, don't look at this as a bad thing. Look at this as a good thing. I'm going to learn from it. And I, I, when I see my mood changing or I start getting uh, negative, I, I stop myself. I put myself in check and I, and I turn it around because through the bad is how we find the good. And, and it sounds stupid, but what kind of what I mean is – so many times we think it's bad. We're trying to figure out how to get out of a side control and we can't do it. Or at work we have somebody who's really mad at us. But what happens is if we take that straight on and realize it's going to make us better, we are going to learn the side control escapes. And pretty soon we're going to be great at side control and everybody's going to ask us. Or that person at work, that's uh, the customer at work that you have all sorts of problems with, you attack that problem head on, talk to that person, figure it out take care of that problem that person is going to be your best friend that person's always going to come to you to at, for work related issues and uh so we just take a bad and we turn it into a good by working hard at it and that's our that's our attitude and we throw some effort in there too i like how you how you brought that back to the other one and and like this the, the idea of like i why do i suck at this uh you don't suck at it it's the, the reality of it is if you're stuck inside control with somebody who's got a gi on this person is better at side control than basically anybody that you know that doesn't train. I mean, it can, anybody that wears a gi is is better than ninety nine percent of the population who doesn't train at even holding side control. Even if it's like your first month of, I mean, you understand things pretty early on in jiu-jitsu. so you're not escaping a side control. You're escaping a jiu-jitsu person's side control, and it's difficult. Yeah, who's been training? So what I always recommend, if you ever think that. Go out on the streets and find the weakest looking person you've ever seen and start a fight with that person and you'll see it really does work. Gary, it's better to find like the second weakest person. That way you feel like a little bit better about it. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. That's how you, uh, we have some, some, uh, confidence gain. You didn't beat up the weakest person on the street, but no, um, in all seriousness, uh, go, especially if you're, you're new in jiu-jitsu or you're looking for a little support or, or somebody to, you can relate to, check out this blog. She just she shares a lot of great information. She mentioned on there she's training more and writing less, which I think is uh, great for her, um, for her training. And 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 people will still come to her blog and, and read her articles, and and uh, she'll just have maybe more insight when she does share things because you know you're, she's doing less of it and she's training harder and learning more. So, but definitely swing by there, check it out, and we'll put links to that in the show notes. And also uh, go to. For our interview today is uh, Sarah Black. Go to sarahblackbjj.com. It's S-A-R-A-H, blackbjj.com. You can find out tons about her and, and, and read about her and find out what she's up to there. With that, I think we should go ahead and, and uh, get our conversation with Sarah Black underway. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. After winning ADCC, Barbara Walters interviewed him, and she cried. He once got lost in the Amazon jungle. He had a flying arm bar on an anaconda. Word on the street is, he once escaped Alcatraz by shrimp crawling. During the Ultimate Fighter, Dana White often calls him for a pep talk. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends.
All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Sarah Black to the BJ Day Break podcast. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Byron. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been looking forward to this. We've been trying to schedule this interview for a little while and, and finally found the day that we could uh, both get online at the same time. So uh, here we go. <laughs> could you just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience for me, please? All right. So my name is Sarah Black. Um, I am a black belt under Gustavo Dantes. We're uh, in Tempe, Arizona and at the uh, GD Jiu-Jitsu headquarters there. And I'm also the head women's coach as well as the head head kids coach now. Could you tell me a little so, bit about what got you started in uh, in martial arts and and, and how, okay. how you where you've gone from there? I didn't actually start in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I started in judo. Okay. And I started in judo just over ten years ago, and I was really excited watching the UFC. I I started watching the UFC. I was about 26 years old, and I was just, what are these guys doing? Yeah, it was it was cool. It was bloody. You know, they would always have the blood hit the camera <laughs> lens and all that stuff, and and that was that was you know got me going pretty good. Like this is crazy stuff. But you know, watching kind of the early ones, and you know, watching you know Hoist Gracie, you know, choke everybody out and triangles, and I didn't know what any of it was, of course. And I had a, a friend who did judo. And he was explaining, oh, that's Muay Thai, that's Jiu-Jitsu, this is Judo, and kind of pointing out the different martial arts to me. And he suggested I go to the the local Chico Judo Club up in Chico, California. And I, I met met those guys there and, and stayed with them for about a year and got some really good exposure and learned to love Judo um, and started, you know, I decided to leave leave the town and, and find a, a team that was, you know, a bit bit more competitive so I, I've always I've always uh, kind of traveled to where the coaching is, traveled to where the teams are, trying to really find a place that uh, you know really really suits me uh, for for learning. Um, and I, I didn't mind. I, I, I traveled to the Bay Area um, and trained with the Stanford Judo Club and Cahill's Judo there in uh, San Bruno, uh, and and really got a, a good foundation for judo and. I finished my career with Jason Morris out in Albany, New York, and that's that's kind of where I feel like you know kind of was the next level. These these guys are he's got a lot of Olympic athletes there, and that's really the next level of judo. Yeah, but you know, judo takes a toll on the body. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. So I you know kind of survived some some knee injuries and. And I, I tried to come back from, you know, as many of the injuries that I could in judo, but finally I decided, okay, I'm, I'm ready to make the switch. And, and I already had exposure to jiu-jitsu, and, and I loved it. I, I'd always wanted to go go back and, and really um, get more into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I had met Gustavo in 2009, and I knew exactly where I was going to go when I made the switch. So, <laughs> so. That, that's 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 what I did about uh, about four years ago. I, I made the switch and moved to Tempe, Arizona, and I started training with Gustavo. Cool. Did you compete much in judo? Yeah, I did. I I, I competed as much as I could. I did not a lot international. We go up to Canada. Um, I, I think I did one um, 
I think it was like a World Cup. It wasn't a World's team, nothing like that. But like, a, but it was down in Miami, so I didn't actually have to leave the country for it. But it was cool. Like, you know, someone's like taking your stuff out in a basket to the mat for you, and it was one of those really, really neat things that you you, you feel like you know maybe Abu Dhabi is kind of close to that that feeling where they're announcing you and taking you to the mat. So. Um, I, I, I competed, uh, I, my best ranking was, I think I was number three in my, my weight division for a couple of years in, in judo nationally. Uh, I think I had a bronze medal at nationals once. So it, 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 I did, I did okay. I trained with the best for sure. Um, but I, I was never, never, uh, number one in, in, in anything there. But. Wow. It, it, that, that's really, uh, an impressive judo background and, and how was it making the transition um, going from judo to jiu-jitsu, were you able to keep much of that stuff or were you just jump right into the jiu-jitsu world and kind of... Yeah, you know, I, I, and I kind of gave this advice before, but like if if I feel like uh, I've seen a lot of jiu-jitsu players walk into judo and I've seen judo players walk into jiu-jitsu and the ones that have the most success are the ones that just forget they know the other sport. So I don't know why I took that approach I mean, I'm, maybe I just I, maybe I tried to bring my judo into jiu-jitsu and just realize, oh, I just get my back taken and, and this kind of thing. There's there, judo's going to help me in the end. I, I'm definitely going to be able to use my judo, and I do use my judo a lot. But it, it it's something that can can really get you in trouble. Um, you're really exposing your back, even just you know, the basic case of katami, you know, pinning position. You're you're really exposing your back and. These kind of ideas you need to get rid of. I, I, I turtled for for years, turtle position, and you know, wasn't too concerned with underhooks and <laughs> throwing without underhooks, which you know you can get away with. Uh, you know, Ronda Rousey gets away with it, and knocks them out so hard on the mat, and just goes straight to mount. It work, works great, you know. So there's there's definitely um, ways to use your judo, but it gets tricky. And um, I, you know, I did find the transition somewhat hard. But in, once I got to Gustavo's and kind of going along with the theme of your, you know, <laughs> Brick BJJ, is, is I, I got a foundation. I, I got a foundation for jiu-jitsu. And without that, I could not implement my judo. There was no, I can't, I can't do judo and expect to win a jiu-jitsu match. And I can't learn a couple of jiu-jitsu techniques and expect that, that to be enough, that to work, uh, you know. Um, get a little bit off your back, a little few few techniques off your back, and then just use my judo and win. That's just it's just not going to work. So I had to get the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I had to get the foundation first. I had to understand the positioning, and so it was years before really I'm like, okay, now look, here's my judo throw. Here's you know here are the things I can take from judo and put into jiu-jitsu, and it can be successful. It sounds like you 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 would advise just putting. Uh, putting away that past knowledge and just ta- taking it all in for as, as new information, and then after you get a, a deeper understanding of what you're doing at the new uh, new sport of martial art, jiu-jitsu, then then incorporate what you already know and try to figure out what works well and, and how you could modify it and make it your own uh, art. I do. That, that's that's what I think. It definitely depends on your goals. Yeah. If, if you really have no interest in being great at, at jiu-jitsu. Um, but you just want to come to the jiu-jitsu class to pick up a few things for judo, then fine. Then, you know, just keep doing your judo in class uh, and, and seeing what you can take away for your judo. But if you want to be great at jiu-jitsu, <laughs> then forget your judo. Just <laughs> walk in the door, be a jiu-jitsu player, 
and and then uh, when you go to judo, you know, be a judo player. So it, it does depend on your goals, but if you want to be great at, at both of them or, or one in particular, that um, yeah, I, I think you need to kind of set aside uh, some of the things you know from the other sport. <laughs> How, how often do you get to train? Jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Or, yeah. I, well, we train. I, I might take Sundays off, but, we, you know, it's one of those things. We train every day, a couple times a day. So it's it's my main focus. Um, we I like the morning training the best. When I say morning, I say it means 10 a.m., not 7. <laughs> so <laughs> 10 a.m., my my morning class, train to about noon, and that's, that's going to be the toughest one of the day. But um, you do have a, a full-time on, job, yeah. don't you? Yes. So you get up in the morning and, and, and I, I, I log on to work. So I, I do, I have a full-time job. I work the 40 hour a week deal, but I work from home. I'm a software developer. So I, I have a, I work for a company that, and, and I have, you know, bosses that are amazing. Um, because I'll, you know, pack up and go to the East coast for the week and I'll still be working, you know, so my, my time zone change still working. And it, it really makes it possible. If I had to go into the office, my life would be very, very different. Mm-hmm. So I, I get up in the morning, uh, I log on, I work for a couple hours, and I head to head to practice. Get done with practice, take a shower, eat some food, log back on, <laughs> work, and then uh, and then I'll head to kids' class in the in the evening. What kind of software do you work on? I write accounting software. So the piece I, I have specialized in for the last about 12 years is payroll. And we sell to, say, K-12 school districts. Okay. So I'll be work, work with a lot of payroll clerks and different things. You know, so I do a lot of support work. I do a lot of development um, enhancements to the, um, to the software. And, oh, we, you know, we're, we're paying teachers. We're cutting their checks and doing their retirement systems. And I, you know, it's not jujitsu, but it's interesting. I work on puzzles all day. I'm trying to figure things out and, you know, just like you're trying to figure out a, a jujitsu puzzle, you know, it's the same thing, you know, when I, when I log on and work and I'm working on software problems. Do you have a, a background with accounting or a background with uh, software? Just wondering. Uh, yeah, I was a business major, so okay. I'm not computer science. Uh, I, I did a lot of accounting in school, but I'm not an accounting major. I'm actually uh, management information systems. So business right. major with the uh, information systems background. So I did a lot of, um, uh, database administration, programming classes, a little bit of networking, which I, I know why that those guys are paid so much. Those those ladies are paid so much because that stuff's hard. <laughs> so, and uh, but yeah, exactly what I studied in school is is what I do for work. I apply information systems to businesses. In this case, K twelves. So that's great. The, uh, did you realize that you were going to have the amount of freedom that you have now when you were uh, studying and getting ready for this career? Oh no, I had I, I honestly had no idea, but you know, and it's I think if I didn't have the freedom with the job, I I wouldn't be there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they know that too. You know, we, we kind of we I wa- they want me there, and I and I want to be there. But if I didn't have the freedom, you know, jujitsu's calling, jujitsu's calling me. So that's where I would go. I just you know maybe you know do it with a little less cash flow. So I'm kind of self sponsored. I work my forty hours, and it allows me to take the trips that I want to take and. And compete where I want to compete. So, but I would make it work. Um, and, and if if you know if they weren't as um, flexible as they are, I'm glad that the, that uh, you found that 
situation in life where you're able to keep a full-time job and to train full-time and and it sounds like things are working for you down there how did how was the transition it sounded like you you competed at a high fairly high level i mean third place nationally is a high level of judo and then you decided to uh kind of leave that world behind and start at jiu-jitsu um where you're not at anywhere near that level uh mm-hmm. for for many years how how yeah. how was that transition was it kind of did you feel like you lost something when you when you stopped going to judo well that's a really good question and you know, because um, at that point, I was a black belt in, in judo and, you know, yeah, competing, you know, with the best girls, in, in nationally anyway. And then I I go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And at that point, um, I, I was a blue belt. I did enough jiu-jitsu in there. Not not a lot of competitions, but I, I had trained enough here and there. I had earned a blue belt through uh, Hops and Mora. Uh, and I, I was this blue belt, but it, it's hard. You look down at your belt and you're like, really? You know, am I an athlete? Am I, you know, do, you know, how seriously can I take myself, you know? And, you know, I just decided right away, I'm taking myself dead seriously. I'm serious. I This is what I'm doing. I know I'm a blue belt, but, but this is my life. I spend more hours doing this than I do my regular job. I... I eat right and I sleep right and I study jujitsu and I do all the things I need to do um, to improve my game. And not to mention, <laughs> I train. You know, I we, we're we're training you know crazy hours a week and this is it. This is what we're doing. And I even uh, even though you're a blue belt, you're, you're taking yourself seriously. And I know now, I know now years later, how good these top level blue belts are. I I, I understand now. At the time. I didn't. I didn't really get it. Like I'm, you know, I'm just a blue belt, and I look. And of course, you, you know, you look at the best blue belts in the world. And they can tap. They can tap black belts. You know, not the highest level black belts in the world, but but black belts. You know, so so it, the the belt doesn't always equal. This is this is how good you are. This is how how serious you should take yourself. But very early on, you know, I decided like, you know, this is this is what I what I spend my time thinking about. What I what I sacrifice for. You know, I move, I move, I, I would live in Chico, California. These are my, my friends are, you know, this is, that's where my house is, you know, that's, that's where my heart is, but I'm not there. I'm, I'm somewhere else. So I better take everything I'm doing, including myself, um, very, very seriously. You mentioned that, that, that there are blue belts out there that, that, uh, compete at a high level at that, at blue belt level, and they could go to the non-competitive black belts, the ones that, um, that aren't you know top-notch black belts, and they get tapped them out a lot of times. It, how much of that is because of like their game plan and that they that what they're working on just doesn't match up well with that black belt? Like, like they're going to A, B, and C, and that black belt may not be good about getting out of B, and then C is even more trouble. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know we we talk about this a lot, like people having black belt parts of their game, you know. So you might have a favorite guard, and with that guard, it's, it's black belt level. I mean, maybe you're not there in other areas, or but uh, you know. And then there's just the kids that, that are just unbelievable blue belts. You know, <laughs> think about the guys that are going to podium at world section. Those blue belts, they're they're incredible. So, and but it's not it's not the, the belt is your own journey. You know, it's not a reflection on on any any others 
person's belt that they're holding. You can't put those two together and they mean anything. They, they don't, you know, your, your white belt, you know, is, is, is a reflection of your blue, your, your purple, your brown, your black. So, you know, this, <laughs> there's just no better way to, 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 you can't compare, you can't compare belts like that. And yes, uh, you know, to kind of go back into your question here, um, there, there may be black belts that are just unaware of, of, you know, you know, newer positions or, you know, uh, be, you know, because these blue belts are, they, they're, they're studying to compete and they have to kind of know all, every, all the latest games going on. But you know what? I, I'll, I'll go roll with the, a black belt and that's had their black belt for, you know, say, say six or seven years. And man, they have a butterfly and I, this, the butterfly guard is so incredible that, that I have no idea, you know, how to pass it because that was the style that this is the style that they have. And, um, so, you know, you're definitely generationally going to have, you know, people that are, are better at, at, at different systems, different styles, but we, we got to know it all. <laughs> we have to know it all. Yeah. There's uh, just so much to learn. How important is it to you, uh, when you compete that you stick to your game plan? Yeah, I stick to my game plan and be flexible at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I try to sit and, and focus on the beginning of the match. I think that's very important. So if I look up my opponent, I watch about, I watch until they pull an established guard. That's about it. I don't, I don't care so much. I just want to know. She wants to, you know, grab and sit. She's going to grab, try to get the sleeve and sit. She's going to get, get all her grips and try to do stand up. That, that, that's all I care about. Um, and then, and then after that, uh, it, it, of course, is her left foot forward? Is her right foot forward when she starts? Those are important things for me. So now I can start visualizing my match. So as far as a game plan, if I don't know them, that's fine too. I'm going to walk out if they have their left foot forward. There's my plan. If they have the right foot forward, there's my plan. So a very small game plan. It's just a little gripping situation. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, it's not that I have to, okay, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to pull. No, not necessarily. I'm going to walk out, left foot forward, right foot forward. You know, this is my gripping sequence. Does she pull? Okay. Do, do I, does she stand? Okay, I'm going to stand. So I, I think working through, you know, all the possible scenarios and the more you compete, the easier it is because you're always every time you're preparing for a tournament, you go through all the scenarios. I walk. I, I got to visualize walking out and her putting her right foot forward. I got to visualize walking out. She she presents her left. We go to the ground. Her right knees up, left knees down. Okay. Now opposite. Now she's standing. Now two knees down. So every time you compete, you had to spend time going through all the scenarios on the things that you want to do from all your positions. So. I, that's why competition to me is, is so important. You're constantly preparing, constantly visualizing, and analyzing. And so not so much game plans for a match, but game plans for a position, you know. Okay. And, and just kind of accumulating this, this, this database of, 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 you know, this network and database of knowledge of, of what you're going to do from each, a, a, everything different that's presented to you. That makes sense. How, how do you approach um, competition in the open weight class? And it doesn't matter if they're they're bigger. Like I, I couldn't even tell you what I what I what's more dangerous, the yeah. little ones or the big ones. I, <laughs> I, I can't even give you an answer. 
you know, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go get the light feather. Oh, she can't stop putting her legs back on my biceps and stepping, you know, stepping and getting her legs back. And so, um, and then, and then the big one that's daunting, I was in Abu Dhabi and I, I fought a, a heavier opponent. Uh, she had a size advantage on me, a couple weight classes at least. And <laughs> I have my, my, my left foot forward, my left hand on, on her lapel. I'm you know, trying to keep her back if she's, you know, thinking of picking up the single leg. And she single legs my back leg. She picks up my back right leg. And I was, at that moment, I, you know, oh, wow. Wow. You know, this, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> never occurred to me in a million years that she was going to reach down and pick <laughs> up my back leg. It's like, oh, I'm in, I'm in a lot of trouble. And I was, I was, I was in a lot of trouble. And it was about seven minutes. I don't, how long are Abu Dhabi matches? Are they five? Or, it felt like, it felt like 10, but it wasn't 10. <laughs> and so, yeah, I proceeded to have the gi wrapped around my neck for, for the rest of the match. And, it, but anyway, so <laughs> trying to get back to your question, what was your question, Byron? Oh, just about just about entering into the open weight class and and competing with people of different sizes and how you uh, yeah. how you think about that. I think a lot of people it, are, are game, worried about that. Yeah, the game plan has to change. One, you can kind of take the pressure off. You can take the pressure off yourself. So that's that's nice. Some people tend to compete better in the in the open class. I, I try to every time I, I talk to to McKenzie to uh, McKenzie Dern to quiz her like okay hey when you when you fight Gabby Garcia do you like to stand do you like to pull not like okay one day I'm gonna beat Gabby Garcia or something but I just need to know like how are you dealing with with her and I've seen her do both I've seen her pull I've seen her stand I've seen her you know and and they all look pretty awful even though she she's beat her before they you know it doesn't look fun either way she decides to go but. Um, uh, you know, I'm always trying to, to, to pick her brain about the best way to approach, you know, a heavier opponent. And I usually don't want to be, be on the bottom, but I watched her step on the lapel, um, with, with Gabby at the, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi and has really, really been working on that with some of the bigger guys in class and trying to give them as much trouble as I can. Um, stepping on the lapel to, to, to keep, uh, to keep them from passing, constantly inverting, never giving head control. So I really try to pick apart that match specifically as much as I can to kind of pull out what is she doing. And, you know, never once did, did she have head control on McKinsey. You know, you know, McKinsey's always stepping on that lapel, making it really hard to pass and trying to pull out the, those things to deal with those bigger, those bigger, uh, opponents. And, and the smaller ones, we, we got to analyze the same way. You know, they're constantly going to be getting their legs back. They're, they're flexible. They're turning out. They're spinning out. So, you know, figuring out, you know, the best way to, to kind of put the pressure and, and use your size advantage in that situation. You uh, briefly brought up a, a situation where uh, you were in a bad spot and it seemed like it was like forever that they, they yeah. had this pressure on you. Um, what, what resulted in that? Did you – did an injury come out of that or – Yeah, so <laughs> it did. So, yeah, after, after that match um, – the next day I started having numbness in my fingers, kind of, you know, shooting tingling down my arm. And I realized actually as I was training and trying to do some strength training, my tricep wasn't, wasn't working that well. Yeah. And that was, you know, it's probably a result of all the years of judo and, and, you know, years of judo probably was, but it was definitely the straw, um, that, that, that match in Abu Dhabi with the bigger opponents and, and one, one was much bigger in particular, and it, it was a little bit rough <laughs> the entire time, have, having the gi wrapped around my neck and kind of pulling. And so so I, I ended up having a cervical fusion, the C6, C7 fusion, a couple months later. And immediately after the surgery, 
numbness was gone. And uh, after about three months of healing, we were able to get back and, and start getting strength back in my tricep. And, man, I'm I'm 100%. I, I feel great today. So I'm, I'm really glad I went through and pulled the trigger on the surgery and, and got that done. How, how long after you got injured did you get the surgery? Uh, after the numbness started... I would say it was about three months. And and I went back the next day after, you know, I come back from Abu Dhabi uh, and and I get back to Arizona and I go in and I see my, my physical therapist, uh, Jenny Larson at OS Physical Therapy. And, and I, I see her, you know, the next day and we start working. We, we're, we're doing needling, you know, we're, 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 we're stemming, we're cupping, we're, you know, doing massage, we're doing traction. I'm go see a chiropractor. So, you know, week after week, we're trying to find something that, that's kind of going to alleviate, you know, the, what, what's going on, you know, in the disc, you know, we're, you know, there's pressure somewhere, but is it herniated? Is it just bulging? You know, what's happening? So we're working on that constantly for three months, you know, right up, right up to the points like, no, it, you know, this is just, it's herniated and, and it, Basically, it needs to be fused. So it was pretty clear right away, talking to the surgeon, what, what needed to be done. When you fuse those uh, C6 and C7, do you lose some range of motion in your neck? You know, I think you do. I don't notice it. Okay. And, you know, uh, so I guess in theory you want to go 90 degrees each each way when you look. And my, my range of motion that is, is pretty pretty good left and right. I know some people had neck surgery and man, they look about 30 degrees left and right, like, whoa. So I'm doing better than that. But, you know, the, the, the one vertebra or the two vertebrae are now one. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot. I don't notice it though. I really don't. Well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad that you've recovered and, um, you mentioned doing some physical therapy. What else did you do to help get back in, into a, a good, good condition and, and recover from your surgery? So yeah, good, good question. I, I found a strength coach. I, I would always do strength work. I think I always thought that was important. Nothing crazy, nothing so much that I was so sore that I couldn't I couldn't train jujitsu because that's always my number one. I would never even miss jujitsu to go to go do strength training. But I, I found a strength coach. I'm with Performance One in 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 Mesa and Joe Machella. So Joe was the 2012 the Olympic lifting women's head coach for the Olympic team. So he went to the Olympics in 2012 with the women for the Olympic lifting team. Okay. But he also does, um, you know, sport specific training. So he has, he has a program, you know, tailored just for me. And he, he understands the, the, the needs of the sport. He's trained wrestlers. Uh, he wrestled himself, um, you know, trained, trained judo guys. He has, he actually has a judo guy who, who trains there as well. So he understands the needs of the sports and, uh, of the sport and and can help me. So I'm not walking into my jujitsu so sore, like you know maybe 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 if I went to CrossFit, so sore from doing a, you know a hundred everything's that I can't do jujitsu. No, it's it's about helping me recover from from injuries and and preventing them. And that's been a lifesaver. I found him last year, and it's it's made all the difference. No, he's he's helping you do exercises and, and strength training the specific for jiu-jitsu what are like maybe two or three of the main exercises that he has you doing that that you did not think you would be doing when you went there i i think i had 
some idea, but we do Olympic lifting, and this isn't anything new or anything profound. Yeah. And and I don't do as much Olympic lifting as they're Olympic lifters. You know, these girls will come in and, and they'll be in there for two hours doing Olympic lifting, and maybe I'll do twenty five or thirty minutes of it, and then all the supplementary work after that. So the Olympic lifting is great because you know, ex, uh, you know, it, it, you know, this explosiveness. Um, you know, having weight over your head, you know, so, you know, and, and he's not going crazy with the weight all the time, you know, a lot of it's, you know, developing, you know, the motion and all the little muscles that, you know, are going to, going to help you move, move the weight, but that's been huge. And, and the other piece is, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, my, I'd say my lower back. So strengthening, um, my lower back and, you know, my hamstrings, a lot of core work and, and, you know, kind of supplemental, you know, all, all the strength work around your shoulders. And so, you know, it's been good. I, I don't know if there's any one thing that, you know, kind of surprised me. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll do, you know, we'll do some squats and we'll do, you know, um, uh, box jumps. So we're getting that explosion. This is not something that his Olympic lifters are doing. This is specific, you know, to my program and the needs of my sport. Cool. Well, it sounds like it's working, working well for you. And, and I'm glad that uh, you, that you're doing that. And uh, like you say, you you're not not going to jiu-jitsu to do this. You're doing that uh, just as a bonus, and and it's helping you get uh, a little edge. It sounds like. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it helps me train more. You know, if I'm healthy, I can train more jujitsu. And so, and then I walked in. and I told him that, hey, I've been injured for uh, for a year, and I want to stop being injured. Can you help me? And and he can. So that's been great. So that's your. You have a strength coach. Um, do you have a? Uh, this is kind of a softball question. Do you have a uh, a coach for the mental side of BJJ? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I, have, I have the BJJ mental coach, actually, <laughs> the one and only. So I do. I my uh, my coach, my professor Gustavo Dantes, um, is the BJJ mental coach, and he's been on on your podcast in the in the past, which has been great. I just got done listening to that. Uh, a couple days ago, and that was, man, very good stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of it, obviously, I've, I've, you know, been to his seminars and taken his extra classes and, you know, watched his DVD, his, his Inner Discovery for Outer Success DVD series. So so I've, I've heard a lot before. And, and it's funny because, you know, pretty soon you start, you, you forget where you hear things and you start talking like it's yours, but it's not yours, you know, it's it's, it's his and <laughs> and. He, he gives us a lot of knowledge that we kind of make our own and, um, you know, helps me, you know, help, helps me become a better coach. You know, I, I work with the women and, you know, kind of help them get through some of their, their competition anxieties and things that are holding them up. So, you know, it's definitely coming, coming from the man, coming from the top, but it trickles down and, and we, we learn a lot and we can all kind of help each other. How, so how in, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. How important is it though, the mental side of, uh, Competing versus the actual uh, jujitsu side, the physical side, the strength side of things. How important is it to be mentally ready to compete? Yeah, I was at the Armin U camp, the, the training camp last week, and I we were kind of talking about Gustavo making an announcement about you know his uh, you know his DVD series, and and I asked them like, hey guys, when you watch a match, when you're watching a match, two people fighting, jujitsu match. How much of that do you think is mental? You know, for, for, and people are I'm like, just throw out numbers, throw out numbers. Come on, come on. And they throw out 80, 90, and 100%, which, I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's high. It's high. I don't know if it's a hundred. I mean, it's got to be a little bit physical. <laughs> but but it's high. You know, when you think of how much of things are mental. I mean, just you know, think of an Olympic sport for sure. I mean, we we think about that all all the time when we watch the Olympics. Like, you know, how mentally ready these guys are, and they all have their coaches too. So, if it's high, let's just say it's it's fifty percent. It's half. We spend almost a hundred percent of our time doing physical training, you know, drilling. And, and so if it's, if it's so high, if it's so important and it makes so much difference in your match, why wouldn't you spend time working on it? And that, that was, that was profound to me. You know, when I, when I thought about that, when, when Gustavo suggested this and I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, there's, it makes sense that I spend a lot of my time, um, working on kind of the mental, mental, uh, aspects of, of competing and and obviously it carries over to the rest of my life you know as you you, you start becoming aware of things and you know you know uh, it, it's a tool you know using jujitsu is, is a tool to kind of better yourself in in other areas and doing the mental training it spills out even more you know it spills out even more like you know, just, just learning kind of what your hangups are about a turnabout and maybe not wanting to fail, you know, maybe hyping up the, the tournament so much, um, that you really can't perform when you get there. Uh, you know, being worried, worried about losing what people will think of you. Well, well, these are things that you can start applying to other, other aspects of your life. And so, you know, that, that's been beneficial as well. Oh, it sounds like it, it's, it's had a big impact on and off the mat. And, and I like your example is funny about like, maybe it's not a hundred percent mental, you know, two people just sit, they sit there staring at each other and one of them is just dominating the whole match. But I'm reminded of the, the old baseball quote by Yogi Berra. It's 90% mental and the other half is physical. So, but it, it, to me, that makes sense because if you don't show up mentally, you're not going to perform at all. Like 90, like, that little ten percent is not even going to be enough to do anything. So, but if you're in it mentally, then it, then the physical aspect can come into play, and all your training and all your uh, experiences and, and and knowledge will be able to be there for you and help you out. But if you don't show up mentally ready at a tournament or at a match, it's going to be hard to do anything. Yeah, and even if you win, even if you show, if you, even if you don't show up mentally and you win. I guarantee you're not driving home happy. Yeah. And if you are, you're, you're kind of missing out. You know, so you want to perform. You want to win. You want to win. And, you know, I've, I've talked to some coaches like, no, just win. Just win. And I get it. I understand. It doesn't matter how, you know, just win. But you you want to perform. You want to feel like the, the way you practice, the, thing, the way you can move and practice in the training that you can do that when you get to the tournament. And if it's, if your best isn't enough, it's not enough. You know, then you go back and you fix your, your technical mistakes. You, maybe your conditioning was off. You, you fix your conditioning program or whatever it is. But if you're off mentally, if you didn't show up mentally, and there, there's a lot of work to be done. And, and even if you, even if you win, I, I doubt you're that happy. You know, you, you want to perform well. You want to, you want to compete like you train. As a as a coach, and if you're watching one of your students compete, how Im- how important is it that they uh, show up and they give uh, maximum effort? They give all their effort uh, versus how important it is that they actually win. Yeah, it's a good question. So I've been I've been working one of the, one of the female students. 
she's been competing for a couple of years now. And man, you know, it's, she, she, she signs up to win. There's no doubt, but the amount of pressure she puts on herself, you know, to win and, and, you know, to do well, she's just frozen, you know, she works, works her deep half game in class and she's switching her grips and she's making them off balance and she's, Really, you know, she'll, she'll go for it. She'll get into a match and you know, nothing. Just, you know, I have this grip. If I leave this grip, then she's going to pass my guard and then I'm going to lose the match. So I'm just going to keep hanging on to this grip, you know. So it's just really, really frozen. And, and so this last tournament, you know, huge, huge breakthrough. And definitely her sitting down and talking to Gustavo. Um, I'm, I'm trying to give her, give her, give her the best, best advice I can, but. Her sitting down and talking to Gustavo and just kind of talking about like, hey man, just 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 f it, just f it. We're, you know, we're happy. We're happy if you perform well. That's what I want to see. I don't care if you lose this match. You know, I don't care if you win this match. I want to see you perform like you train. And it went a long way with her. You know, she she really took it to heart. But but think about the rest of her life, right? Think about how that spills over to the rest of her life. So she went to this last tournament. She took that advice to heart and she went out and she was moving and she was doing the things that she wanted to do. And she was going for it. And she had some wins in the tournament. She did very well in the tournament, which is great. It's a bonus, but it's not the point. The point is that she needed to perform well. She needed to forget about the things that were kind of, you know, worrying about the losing. So not switching the grips and this kind of thing. And, that's going to spill out to the rest of her life, you know, just going, you know, going, not worrying about the, the what ifs and what if I lose, if I do this. Yeah. Usually failures, um, if you, with that attitude are just a small, just like a day. And then next day you're back on it and you're, and, and you've learned from that and you're moving it, you're moving on and moving ahead. It seems like, um, yeah. you mentioned you're the, the coach of the women's jujitsu there. Do you have a women's only class or do they just, uh, you, you coach the women that are in class, or how do you guys do that there? Yeah, so we we have a women's only class, and it's it's evolved, it's changed a little bit. So when I when I first came, I, I always came to the women's only class. I was you know blue belt and then purple belt. And I wasn't running it yet, but um, then the opportunity came up that I would take over that class, and and I was nervous, really nervous, but but excited to do it. And it was just, you know, it, we used the class almost as like, hey, I kind of, maybe a tournament's coming up or I see some holes in the game here. I want to help this, this woman here. And it was kind of all over. It wasn't really set curriculum. It wasn't a fundamentals class all the time, even though we'd work on fundamentals. It was just kind of like filling in the gaps and kind of giving them some extra time um, on the mat to look at uh, positions that were like really specific to what, what their issues were. And that was great. That was great. And our white belts, they became blue belts, and they're doing very, very well. And we started getting new new crops of women, new crops of white belts coming in. A lot of moms that would look over, look through the window and watch the kids and the dads, and they'd start come, we'd start, you know, getting them to come to the other side and put a gi on and get on the mat. And the women's class is just like a really nice way to kind of introduce them in, in a way where they're typically maybe the strength of the person they're working with is similar to their own. It's not, it's, it, it can be that a woman comes in and they're stronger than most of the guys in the room. No doubt. No doubt. The, the, you know, these the women walk in all the time like this too, but a lot of times they're, they're not going to have physically the, you know, the same physicality as, as the, the male, their male uh, partners or teammates here. So this is kind of a way that, you know, they can, they can, you know, be matched a little bit because 
jujitsu beats right beats no jujitsu for sure. Jujitsu wins, but no jujitsu and no jujitsu. What's left? You know, you're, you're dealing with with athleticism and strength and and th- this kind of thing. So the women's only class is just it's it's I call it my gateway drug. I just I'm gonna get them hooked. I got to get them hooked first on the on the good stuff, you know. And and then once they're hooked, they they'll they'll start moving into the other classes and you know training with the guys and and they'll be fine. Uh, I love it when they when they keep coming to class, but they don't have to. It's not necessary. Doing the women's class is not necessary to to uh, evolving your game and becoming a, a great player. But I definitely want to have it there. You know, if we can keep a couple more more women in the sport, if we can get a couple more women to try the sport, then it's absolutely worth the time and the effort. And really, we we love to come. We, the women love to come to that class when they can make it because it's you know it's supportive female relationships. You know, we have a bond. We are a team, uh, and we like to support each other that way as well. How long have you guys had that women's only class? Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't start it. It was there before I got there. I've been with Gustavo about four years, so I've been running in, gosh, about two and a half. Do you, do you think it has a, a positive effect on the entire team? Do you, do you think you have more women on your team now because of that? Yes, I think we've kept we've kept women uh, in jujitsu or or had them start because they can come to the women's class. I think that's true. I don't think. I don't think we we have any women that um, if we cut it tomorrow would leave. So if we cut the class tomorrow, we we didn't have it anymore. I don't think women would flock out the door, but I don't think as many women would come to the other side of the glass. So that's I feel like that's why it's there. You know, just come. Let's introduce you to the sport. Let's get you a little bit of foundation. Get you some fundamentals. Then when you mix in with the rest of the you know the mixed the mixed gender classes. You're you're good to go. That's that's interesting. I think that's a that's a great thing to help promote the sport and help uh, get more people get women uh, interested in jujitsu and um, get them that early experience and have that be a positive one uh, on the mat there. And it's, it sounds like it's definitely a controlled environment and and you're really enforcing um, the core values of jujitsu and not letting them. Have have a bad first day on the mat there. That that's the goal. <laughs> how long how long would somebody? Um, yeah, maybe you, it's hard to judge, but uh, have to go to the, the women's only classes before the average student uh, starts showing up in the co-ed classes. Yeah, it differs. It differs, but and sometimes it's very fast. I mean, a lot of them. It's not even necessarily. Maybe they're not. They might be ready to mix the next week. You know, they just needed the introduction. They just needed the, the, the you know, the, the, the class or two, and they're ready to go. Some, it's like actually, really physically, all they can handle because you know they're so sore and tired is two classes. You know, so it's just they're going to do the women's class until they're kind of ramped up and you know their body's kind of ready to take you know more jujitsu uh, abuse and, and training. Uh, but it's. I feel like it's it's pretty fast. So the women's the women's class happens right before the the fundamentals, our white belt only fundamentals class. So pretty quick, I, I start like, hey, you know, you stay for the next class. That's two hours of jujitsu in one day, and if you do that twice a week, that's four hours of jujitsu, and you got it all in two days. And you know, start talking about you know kind of how much jujitsu they can get, and having another teacher is nice too. I don't I don't always teach that that 
I usually do not teach the fundamentals class, so they get another exposed to another teacher, and that's very helpful too. Uh, so I, I pretty quick try to get them going in the in the regular classes. Um, like, like I said, some just because you know they're they're physically can't quite handle it yet, they'll they'll be a little bit longer, but it's pretty quick because jujitsu is awesome. You know, you, you, it's, it's an easy sell. It's an easy sell. Once you get in there and you feel it and you kind of understand what's, what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're sold and, and they want to get in and do more. Let's say you have a female friend that lives in a whole, an entirely different city and they want to try jujitsu for the first time. Uh, what advice would you give them before walking into the, um, to the classroom? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, a t- that's a tough question. I mean, because I've, I've had this problem before, and I, I just, I feel awful. You know, I, I have a friend like, oh, I signed up, but I didn't really feel like they, wa- the, they didn't really want me there. They, you know, like you walk in, I didn't feel wanted there, and it's the only jujitsu in the entire town. That, that's heartbreaking. You know, I, I yeah, that that that's such such an awful feeling, such a tough feeling. And you know, really, if it's if it's really not your home and not your place, it's you know, I fell in love with it, and not like I I would leave places because I did I didn't like it. That that's not that's not my uh, that's not what happened to me. But I would I I would always leave and move to where I needed to be um, uh, for the team or the training or you know for the the teacher the professor. As, but everyone doesn't have that option. You know, they have one jujitsu in one town, and if it's not right, it's just it. I, 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 don't, I don't know the best advice because it, it can be a bad experience. It can not, it can be, it, if, like, I feel like you do, if you don't feel, feel welcomed, I really hope it's not the only jujitsu in town <laughs> because you need to go, you need to go find a place that, that, I mean, if they, if they have a women's class, that's, that's fantastic. It's going to be a good clue that, you know, they, they want you in the door. If they have a women professor or, you know, at least a, a, a woman teacher, maybe, you know, blue belt, purple belt, something like this. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's a good sign as well. And, uh, I, I don't think you need, like, male teammates need to roll so much different with females. Roll like you would if that if you were rolling with the male of the exact same strength and size of the female that you're rolling with. So that's all the the that's as reasonable as I need all my training partners to be. You know, I, pretend I'm male. I'm exactly this size. I'm exactly this strength. How would you roll with them? That's how I need you to roll with me. So this is what you're looking for too, because. It's it's tough. You go into white belt class, they don't know any better. So you need to make sure that that the the white belts have an understanding of how to roll with people of smaller size, less strength, and 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 this sort of thing. Yeah, I I think that's a that's a good way to approach rolling with uh, a partner a training partner of different sex. Um, and I I hadn't really thought about like if they didn't feel welcome at the class, you know that. It could be a fine class, and the people could have enjoyed uh, your presence there. You know, your new student, and they could have could have thought you were cool and 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 and, and nice to you. But they didn't express that. They mm. didn't. They didn't really open up the the doors and 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 show you that, that that hey, yeah, this is cool, and you're you know th- we're glad you're here today. And I think that that, that that's often missed in uh, when somebody first goes to a gym, male or female. You know, they 
really is so important to welcome somebody in and, and, and really make them feel like they are a, it, it's like a new customer, you know, like, like yeah. you wouldn't treat a new customer, like give them the cold shoulder or don't talk to anybody and, and have nobody else talk to them. That's, that's just bad business. And it's, what's, what's good business is usually good for Jesus, you know, so, um, pair them up with somebody who's polite and, and, and who is friendly and, and make sure they have a good first experience. That's a, that's a, your first, first experience on the mat is probably one of the most important ones that you could have. Yeah. We're not, we're not joining a, a fraternity. We don't, we don't <laughs> gotta tease everyone that walks in and it's not a gang. We're not going to jump them in. You know, it's a business. And if you're, if you're, um, if the students have their fraternity and they walk in and they're, you know, they're just not so welcoming, my guess is, you know, it's the leadership, you know, they're, they're kind of following along with the leadership of the academy. So definitely having, you know, being friendly. We, we have the friendliest guy at the front of our, you know, the, the face of our, our academy. Uh, and you know, you walk in, you feel welcome immediately. And, and that's his job. And it is a business, you know, he, he's not standing there to jump them in when, when they walk in the door, he's there to welcome them and make them feel comfortable. And he does keep, he brings a, uh, pairs them up with the right people, make sure the instructor understands their background, you know, if they have any or not or, or what it is. So I agree a hundred percent. I always thought it was a good idea to have the, the biggest, sweatiest, smelliest guy mm. at the front desk and, and just kind of make sure that they really wanted to be there and be rude to right. them and <laughs> make them jump that hurdle, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, so that's some, some kind of thoughts on, on women's classes and, and women jujitsu. You also teach kids, kids classes there as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I just started doing the kids class and gosh, that's, that's been fun. It's, it's I mean, the energy you need for the, the class is one thing. And I, I have that energy, but you know, the, the, the amount of time and effort to kind of set up a program has, has been a little bit different. Um, and, but it just is rewarding, you know, so, so I'm, I'm working with the kids and I love that, you know, for you know, one hour a day and, you know, bringing, bringing the energy, having fun with them, teaching them jujitsu, teaching them, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, kind of the ethical aspects of, of jujitsu and respect and all, all that's been, been phenomenal and great, but also kind of figuring out like, all right, so their parents are, are paying for them to come and learn jujitsu. How, how am I going to ensure that I deliver on that? How, how am I going to deliver what I promise and what, what these parents are paying for? And so really trying to set up the framework for the program has been very interesting. You know, I want, I want to keep track, obviously of attendance. That's, that's, that, that's a no brainer. Keep track of, of the attendance, but, but also we, we have a world class curriculum, you know, Gustavo's curriculum, you know, is going to hold up, you know, next to any curriculum in the world. And, and we know that. So this is the curriculum we're going to teach the kids and then having a program to make sure that this curriculum is being taught and that we're tracking, you know, the, the, the techniques and systems and concepts that each of the, the students, um, know or don't know or struggling with and this kind of thing. So it's, uh, and then planning the growth, the growth of the class, you know, and, and, how we're going to run the classes is the classes get bigger. You know, have, if you have four, four kids show up one day, it's going to be a very different class than if 25, especially if they're four years old. So, you know, making sure that we can handle 25, four to seven year olds that, that come to the door and, um, and that they're having a great time and they're learning jujitsu fundamentals and, 
and they want to come back the next day is, is super important. So it's been great and a lot of a lot of work the last couple months getting that up and going, but well worth it and, and I'm enjoying it. I, I can't wait to see our kids program grow to, you know, uh, at least quadruple the size it is now. That would be great. It, it, it is a different uh, thing to teach children jujitsu. I, I don't quite have that uh, skill. I'd rather uh, – adults seem a lot easier for me, but uh, it's, it's just a, a different type of uh, communication that you're having there and, and slightly, slightly different goals. But I think you're uh, hitting on a great path of, of developing a, a kid's program with uh, specific goals and things you want to touch on. It seems like sometimes if you just – teach random techniques and moves of the, you know, of certain days you want to do this or that. Uh, the kids might uh, be lacking in certain areas and you may not even realize it, but when you sit down and write down a schedule and write down a program, um, the kids that show up regularly are going to have um, the techniques and the knowledge that you want them to have and, and you could be, and you can count on that. So it seems like a, uh, it seems like it took you some time and it's, it's worth, it's an investment, but it's worth the investment in the kids to really get down and, and, and write a program and, and make sure you have it all right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, w- with the adults, you, you know, you're, you're almost on your own. You, you know, you, we know the curriculum we're going to teach, you know, over the year or, or at least, you know, say six months, it's probably going to repeat a couple times in a year, but that's, that's up to you to show up and make sure you're learning it. You know, it's, it's on them, but you know, with the kids, it's a little bit different. You know, they're off on vacation for a month here with family and, you know, all they're they're doing school here, and they you know can't come, and so they're they're in and out sometimes. Maybe they they train uh, more before a tournament, but it's on it's on me. It's 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 not it's not on this child. That they don't always you know have a say. They can definitely you know motivate. Hey, let's go to jiu-jitsu tonight, and that's that's on me too. If I make it fun, they, they're going to come. They're going to tell their parents they want to come back, but they don't always have a say. Sometimes they they're just on vacation and and they're gone. But I need to know what they're missing and what they're lacking. Whereas if, if you're an adult, you better know what you're missing and lacking, and you better show up to class and you know make sure you're not missing too much and you know fill in the gaps yourself. So I, I think there's just a lot a little bit more responsibility to make sure that we're we're teaching the kids and delivering what what we promise to the parents. That's awesome. It sounds like you're a great instructor with that, the attitude and the, and the goals that you have. Um, do you have any advice for a student that's going to do their first tournament? Yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't get so hung up on, on the first tournament part. We have to get the first one out of the way. And man, I, I remember mine, um, I don't. I th- I think I'd been more nervous. I've definitely been more nervous at, at some other ones. I, I remember. Let me let me say this. I remember the first one I thought was big. Yeah. My, the big one. It wasn't. It wasn't. But I didn't know. I thought I was going to a big tournament. It was all women's tournament, and it had some national something attached to it. And I thought it was big. And I was sick for a week. Right. I was sick and just so nervous. I couldn't eat and couldn't sleep. For sh- I for sure couldn't perform at the tournament. No way. I just wanted the whole tournament to be over. So, you know, I, I, I was – at that time I was probably 28 years old. I was a grown woman and I was just pretty sure like, really? You know, this this is what I'm going to do with my time. I'm just going to be miserable and – and I, I, I did not care for competing it one bit. And I, I, I just said, okay, if it keeps going like this, if every tournament is like this, 
I'm, I'm not going to do it <laughs> because I mean, it was, it was, it was awful. It really was. And I can see why some people would just like, Oh, you know, Hey, I kind of have a knee injury and I don't know about this tournament or I'm not going to sign up for the next one. Cause that last one was pretty bad. I mean, I, I can see that, but if this is something you think you want to do, just keep signing up, sign up, sign up. It'll get better. And for sure, you need to look at the mental aspects of it, especially if it's nerves that are kind of holding you back. You know, um, Gustavo Dantes right now has out uh, a YouTube series, so it's free. It's this is a, a free material, and it's the top ten mistakes um, made by uh, competitors. So, so check that out too. Just read through the list. You don't have to watch all of them. Read through the list. And the ones that pop out at you are like, huh, you know, I think that that applies to me. Watch those, you know, and, and take it and go from there. But if, you know, if the mental side, if it's the nerves and anxiety keeping you from enjoying competition, then, you know, my first advice is sign up for your next tournament <laughs> and do it again. And sign up for your next tournament and do it again. And meanwhile, really, really try to investigate, like, where where is the anxiety coming from? And what, what you know, kind of what do you think is the reason that you're, you're, you're you know, kind of putting this pressure on yourself and, and making your competitions pretty miserable? Yeah, that's good advice. And just, like you said earlier, get that pre- get the, the pressure of the first tournament out of the way. And, and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and it's very relatable that you didn't feel well. Uh, the week before the first tournament or the first big tournament that you had. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's a sign of just fear of the unknown and, and trying to figure out what's going to happen. And, and, uh, and, and just like, like you said, I'm, I'm ooh, 28 or so I'm 28 years old. And, and why am I doing this to myself? It's, exactly. <laughs> what would be a, a good goal uh, for a student during their first year of training? Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, you know, I just got an email after I, I, I did a, a Budo Jake interview, and I got yeah. an email from a guy in the UK. He just started, and he sounds athletic. Does um, rock climbing and all this other stuff. He's he's kind of asking me the same thing, like, how do I get myself to go? <laughs> he's, I want to do it. He wants to do it. He he likes the challenge, but man, it's Monday, and now I got to go get you know tapped and submitted and beat up and it's going to be hard. And then when he when it's over, he, he, he's happy he went and it was fun and whatever. But how do you, and so I, I guess I could kind of give the same advice. Like one, sign up for a tournament. <laughs> so even your first year, you know, you get a couple, it's going to take you, a, you know, a couple months to kind of understand even what's happening, what's a good position, what's a bad position, no doubt. So you got to get your feet underneath you. So, but, but once you kind of understand, you know, to keep yourself motivated, keep yourself going, Signing up for a tournament is one way because you're going to need to have like a training schedule. You know, maybe you have a family, so it's realistic that you train three times a week. So that's what you're going to train. If you, you know, you don't, maybe, you you know, maybe you go to college, but it's really only realistic you train four times a week. You know, maybe you're work remote like me. (laughs) You can make your own schedule. Okay. I'm going to (laughs) train five, six times a week. That's what I'm going to do. So whatever's realistic for you, write down your schedule and show up at the end of the week. If I didn't miss a class, it's because I had to take my dog to the vet. Oh, I got a serious stomach illness here. You know, there's real reasons why I didn't, I didn't, uh, get everything checked off my list. Whatever it is, if there's a strength training in there, there's, so I realize it's, it's, you know, year one and, you know, you're like, I don't even know if I, I don't even know what my goals are (laughs) yet. 
But, you know, you're, you're going for a reason and, and you, you do want to become better at this. And the only way to do that is to get on the mat and train. So finding ways to trick yourself or to motivate yourself um, to, to, you know, to get to class. So set out your training plan for each week. So set it up. Even do this. Okay. It's, uh, it's November now, right? No, it's almost November. <laughs> it's almost November. Maybe by the time this, this comes out, it'll be November. Yeah, it will. Yeah. How many times do I want to train before next year? You know, two months to go. Like, okay, I want to hit 40 trainings. I want to hit 20, whatever it is. Okay, go now. You know, but if you don't, then one week goes by, you haven't trained, then you go hit hit a practice, and another week goes by, and then by the end of the year, you you've trained six times. Well, what if you want to train twenty? What if you want to train forty? Go make your schedule. Make your schedule, and at the end of the week, figure out why didn't I go or why did I go? And they're going to be good reasons, I guarantee it, because you know you you set your goals for the week, and you're going to accomplish them. You've, you've mentioned a lot about uh, like training restrictions and not being able to make it. Some, I mean, that's just a reality of of, of life and, and mm. off the mat life, work, family, and, and other responsibilities. Um, what advice would you give somebody who's only able to train like one or one or two times a week? Um, how could they get on the mat and train those couple of times and and get better or um, make the most out of it? Yeah, you're going to have to be patient with yourself because it's not realistic you change six times. You have a family, you have work or whatever it is. So you're going to have to, have to be patient. But when you can find that extra hour or you can stay an extra hour, you can get an extra private. Like with the girls, with the women, I have them do women's class and stay for the fundamentals. So they're getting two hours. So there are ways that we can find extra mat time. Um, you know, definitely, you know, maybe, maybe getting – some private lessons that can, you know, maybe go before class. So always trying to sneak in, in extra hours here and there. Then, you know, just, just be patient, be realistic with the amount of training that you're able to do. You know, I, I, I have a girl that is having phenomenal progress with the two days a week doing the four hours, incredible progress. And if she can sneak in on the Sunday, when we, sometimes we do like a women's only Sunday kind of breakdown technique, she'll come in there. So she gets an extra hour there, but it's realistic with their schedule. And she's still making progress. I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I, I love that advice of just um, try to train a little bit longer uh, when you're there. It's For me, it's a 30-minute drive to, to be on the mat. And then if I'm there for two hours, so that's it costs me three hours of my day to be there. If I want to stay an extra 30 minutes, it only costs me an extra 30 minutes to be there. You know, The drive is already committed. I'm already going to shower after I get home and, and – it, just that little bonus extra role at the end of class or, you know, stay from the women's class and stay to the, the, the fundamental class or the beginner class. Th- those, that's great advice. And it's really important if you, if you're pushing yourself, yourself on your schedule, if you could eke out a little bit extra time, that will pay off over the course of the year. Definitely. Love that advice. Um, can you remember what frustrated you at the beginning, uh, doing jujitsu, especially coming from your background and, and uh, and having a good, strong martial arts background, uh, which frustrated you get on, getting on the mat and doing jujitsu? Yeah, you know, what, what's always frustrated me, judo or jujitsu, is some. I know someone's figured out how to do judo because people do it at a really high level. I know someone's figured out how to do jujitsu. 
and being somewhere where it's not clicking. You know, you don't feel like you have a good foundation. You know because you're always getting tapped or thrown or your guard passed or swept. So you get it. You you get you're not doing something right. Yeah. But if you can never put your finger on it, that's so frustrating. So, you know, it, sometimes you don't have the right coach, you know, maybe not the right training partners. Our training partners, my training partners are my teachers. Everyone's so free with their knowledge and always breaking down things for us. So we, we learn so much from Gustavo, of course, but, you know, how analytical he is, that's how analytical all his students are. And we're just always constantly discussing and sharing links and footage and, you know, really trying to understand you know, uh, you know, what, if, if we have a question, what's going wrong, you know, everyone's jumping in. Everyone's trying to, to um, foundationally, you know, kind of kind of figure out what's missing or, or the reason for something happening. And it, to me, the most frustrating part is just just realizing, like, it's not clicking here. It's not clicking. I really I don't understand, you know, gripping. I don't understand attacking. I don't. And. I, I've been places where I okay, I just got to work harder. I got to get, I got to go longer. I got to, and it's just, it's actually just not, not the right place. So, you know, that once I, once I found, you know, where I needed to be, where I, uh, the team I needed to be on, that was, that was everything, and and made the biggest difference. Cool. And you said it earlier on in the interview that um, you were willing to move and relocate yourself to to get the instruction that you wanted. So that was a huge thing for you and. Sounds like uh, it's been uh, it's been a great driving force for getting you to be better at jujitsu and judo. Yes, you mentioned uh, a few th- a few sponsors, but uh, do you want to go ahead and mention uh, a little spo- a sponsor list yeah. and kind of? Yeah, I have one more. I have one you? more, and it, it's definitely like a key piece uh, to to my healing, uh, staying uh, staying healthy, and to healing. And that's that's the uh, Q five labs. So there's the the supplements. Um, I. I like their their BCAs, so it's the HDH uh, Maxi Stack, and definitely the vitamin D. Uh, their Warrior Green, that's pretty cool. It can't hurt. Uh, so th- those are the supplements that that I really like, and then I'm hearing really good things about their joint supplements. So I'm 36 years old. I'm gonna look into those uh, in my next purchase and, and try some of those out. So you know, if your if your fingers are hurting too much, Spider Guard, uh, maybe maybe look into that. The Q5 Labs. Um, and and look at those joint supplements and see if they'll work for you. Cool, and yeah. and we'll, I'll put links to to that on the show oh, notes. Thanks. And you nice. mentioned what was your physical therapist's name? Jenny Larson at Ost Physical Therapy. Very yeah. good, and and of course, uh, go ahead. In Mesa, Arizona. Sorry. Okay, and and of, and of course, uh, the BJJ mental coach uh, Gustavo Dantes. Do you know uh, where you can find him and some of his information? Yeah, the BJJMentalCoach.com. So you'll see it on all the patches. It's it's a it's a definitely a movement. So you'll start seeing patches popping up at tournaments. The BJJ Mental Coach. It's the patches that are in that that bright neon green, and he's got a lot of content on his website. Definitely the top ten mental mistakes uh, made by competitors. That's the he's got a YouTube series. Read down the list, see which ones uh, can apply to you, and and watch those. And then he has the the four set DVD series, Inner Discovery for Outer Success. So check that out too because. I mean, he he has a lot of knowledge to to, to share and uh, to to help you on your 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 journey. Yeah, he is definitely the right guy to help you uh, get uh, where you need to go mentally, and 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 share that with your with your teammates and with your friends, and 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 uh, help them over their own mental hurdles and and 
and get them on their way as well. Do you have a website? I, uh, I do. Uh, SarahBlackBJJ.com. So I'm trying to update it with more more content, and more videos. Get links to you know some highlights, and I have a cool promo video that my friend made for me. That's that's pretty slick, and get some photos up there, and um, and definitely uh, I'll links to all my sponsors. Very good. Uh, is there a some, uh, best way for someone to contact you or to get a hold of you if they want to train with you or something like that? Yeah, um, I think uh, Sarah Black BJJ at Gmail. So it's, if you go to my website, you'll see. You'll see that. And you can actually contact me through my website as well. And I'd be happy. I try to get back to, you know, I try to answer all all the emails and Facebook messages that I can. I love to hear from people. And, uh, yeah, contact me. Very good. Yeah, definitely get a hold of her. She will uh, be happy to help you out, it sounds like. And she's been uh, very nice to me, uh, corresponding online. So uh, uh, you've been been truly great professional. Do you have anything else you want to mention before we – part ways i guess Man, i think we covered so much okay i, I really appreciate it and it's, this has been a ton of fun all right well i appreciate you hopping on here with me and and uh sharing your story and and some of your wisdom yeah i hope i can meet you at some point absolutely if, I'll, if... I'll study your face so <laughs> don't do that <laughs> that'll ruin your day say hi. <laughs> just uh just 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 uh I don't know, but don't study my face. That's that's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> but yeah, I look forward to meeting you someday, and and maybe at some tournament, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll bump into you somewhere. So that'll be yeah. cool. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. All right, Byron. We'll talk to you later. All right, bye bye. All right, I want to give a big thank you to Sarah Black for giving us the interview, sharing with us her story, and uh, I got a lot of great training advice from her about. Uh, uh, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in training another martial art. I'm, you know, I, we're really interested in jiu-jitsu, uh, gi and no gi for myself. So maybe you can consider those as like two like, subcategories, but they're basically to me the same thing as far as, you know, I train them both, um, whenever I can. And I, it, but, um, you know, if, if I were to get into judo, I think she gave me some tremendous advice on how to tackle that. And if, and if you're uh, new to, new to jiu-jitsu coming from a different art, this, I think this interview did a lot of good for you. And just the way she was able to do it and, and how she's having a ton of success with this. And, and it also helps having a great uh, coach like Gustavo Dantas there. And, and, uh, if you haven't heard his interview, definitely recommend you go back and listen to Gustavo Dantas. We'll put a link to that in the notes as well. But, uh, very good interview and a, and a lot of fun talking with her and look forward to, uh, to, to watching her compete. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're talking about, she's talking about, judo and jiu-jitsu it it just kind of reminds me of like your training partner there uh jake smith jake smith is a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu but boy he's you know always trying to learn judo and it you know just with her talking about it and everything it just kind of reminded me of him um you know the the two sports go well together and uh if you can do if you're good in both of them you're going to (laughs) be pretty pretty devastating on the mat yeah yeah there's definitely an advantage to that and but uh, I'm still into the the, the school. I do what's fun, and and yes. ju- to me, judo is a is a hard it's a hard sport, and I've never had uh, mats that were uh, really that fun to be thrown on. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and see, that's how I am too. I mean, I, I my martial arts is all about fun, and jujitsu is really really fun for me. Maybe if uh, I finally get to the point where I'm not having as much fun. Maybe I'll try judo or I'll try something else, but 
I, I don't have a lot of time, and, and my time right now is devoted to what I like the most, which is uh, jiu-jitsu. But, yeah. uh, I, I wish I had more time, I, I, and I would train every art possible. <laughs> but yeah. uh, jiu-jitsu I, I, for me is where it's at. It seems like you also like to pick up a little bit of wrestling there. and, 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 and well, that You know, well. that's more of my son, so I have started wrestling. Um, but uh, the one thing I like about wrestling versus judo, <laughs> I I'm a little older and uh, getting slammed, uh, learning to fall. Uh, I'm not very good at. It. I'd have to be real, you know, really practice uh, falling for uh, uh, judo to keep myself healthy. Oh, Gary, you can't keep using this uh, older excuse all the time. Like you're gonna have to come up with something new uh, one of these years. You know, like you. I have to get a thesaurus to find different words for older, <laughs> ancient, <laughs> thesaurus. Oh, you have me cracking up over here, Gary. Um, yeah. If if you want to keep up with us, um, I recommend go to our Facebook page and uh, like that. We also have a Twitter account, YouTube. Uh, the website's a good place as well. But uh, keep up with us there. We do quite a bit on. Uh, we don't do like a ton on Facebook, but uh, if we have something to say, a lot of times it'll be there. And uh, and we post the shows there and a few other funny things we try to you know we see or we want to share with everybody. So Facebook's a good option and. And uh, definitely email this is is a good way to keep up with the with the show and it's uh, what's coming out every week. Also, go to iTunes and uh, give us a review. Um, definitely helps us get better at the show. Uh, make your review funny. We always love reading them on air. And uh, if you're in the United States and you give us a funny review and you let us know about it, you got to let us know about it by emailing us at bjjbrick at gmail dot com and tell us that was you, or send us a message on Facebook. And remember, the key part is if you're in the U.S., we'll send you out a uh, BJJ Brick uh, Gi Patch. So uh, we'll hook you up for you hooking us up with a review. So uh, uh, check that out and, uh, and tell us about how good or bad we're doing. Hey, and just uh, want to say Happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this the week it comes out, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving and uh, spend it with friends and family and, and – uh I always overeat on Thanksgiving, but I'll try to make up for the day after that, or maybe two days after that, I'll start getting back to the swing of things. But this is the time of year between, uh, especially in the United States, you know, Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas is kind of, uh, kind of busy, busy time of year. And, uh, Gary and I are planning to get out a show every week, uh, you know, in these coming months, but uh, we'll see what happens. But, um, so far we've been good, you know, over, over two years of, of cranking out shows every Monday and, and we hope to do the same, but, uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's a time to spend with your families a lot and uh, and uh, enjoy a, you know a little bit of off the mat time and, and maybe get some family members to go train. So <laughs> and speaking of uh, Byron talking about you, we put on a little weight or waist gets a little bit big around Thanksgiving. Hey, go onto our our Facebook page and uh, tell us if you're planning on training for Thanksgiving. I know a lot of places will have a open mat early in the morning, so uh, you know let us know and. And uh, tag your school in there if you want to also. Uh, be kind of neat to uh, see who's training and what schools they're at. Yeah, that's cool. And it, and especially because uh, during the holidays, people come in from out of town. A lot of times you'll get somebody who you're not used to training with come in and want to want to get some mat time in. And, and you'll have guests at the gym, it seems like. and Or you could be a guest at a different gym. If you're out of your normal city, uh, you bring your gi or your, your shorts along and, and try to find a place to go train. And you get to meet new people and... And hopefully, uh, you know, have a good time on the mats with people that uh, aren't from your town. So uh, that's always a good time. And, and like if you're Byron's saying, make sure you bring your gi. 
don't necessarily wear your gi when you're traveling <laughs> on the plane or you know driving and stopping at truck stops. Um, a lot of times people may look at you a little weirder, or if you're going through the airport, you're probably going to get stopped and checked by the uh, TSA um, just for wearing that. But uh, uh, just a little forewarning. But speaking of guests, if you happen to be uh, coming through Wichita for Thanksgiving, uh, going to celebrate. Celebrate in central New- or central Kansas, um, south central Kansas. Uh, send us a message. We'd love to uh, train with you. Um, BJJBrick at gmail.com. Absolutely. It's always a good time to train with our listeners. Gary, it's that, that time of the show where everybody wants to hear the audiobook that you're working on. Um, you've yet to produce the audiobook, and I think uh, I think the audience as a whole is a little disappointed in this, but uh, uh, I don't know. I'm. Uh, it seems like this one is really going to come out, you know, maybe before your Christmas even and, and make a difference and, and really help some people out. Well, maybe I'll buckle down and uh, actually finish one. Yeah. that's. I like I like your plan and, and the buckle yeah, it's, theme. It's with all the, about effort and attitude. I'm always reminded of the buckles that the pilgrims wore on their hats, you know. It's a big deal. Buckle yeah, down I'm always reminded of the buckle store at the mall where you <laughs> like to shop. Where, you, where Gary buys his pants that have all the bling on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of clothing, that has to do with this book here. Uh, your audio book that you're working on now is called Why I Ripped Off the Sleeves of My Jacket and How It Has Made All the Difference. Well, you know, this is a uh, one of my favorite uh, audio books that I've started. When I was a kid, I really used to love movies about gangs. And, and you know, <laughs> I know I've told you before that, you know, when I was in high school, a lot of the gangs wanted me because I was pretty good with bow staff. Yeah. But one movie I really liked was The Warriors. Uh, that was a great movie. And a lot of those guys had jean jackets with the sleeves ripped off. So, um. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. All right now, for all you grapplers out there on the big mat, I've been asked to send out a request. The BJJ Brick Podcast is going to need some help on this one. They are in it deep, real deep. They want you to write them a funny review on iTunes, if you think you can. If you feel like they've been doing good, real good, they would love it if you gave them five stars. Make some jokes, please. You can even do it at their expense. They will read it on the podcast. And of course, for your efforts, they will be happy to send you out a key pack. A BJJ Brick Key Patch. Okay, grapplers. We are going to need to do better out there. We got no reviews this week. Well, uh, when I was a kid, I used to uh, cut the sleeves off my jacket. And, uh, and uh, it just made me feel tougher. It made me more confident in this world. And... It parallels back, and what this audio book is going to talk about is how cutting sleeves off gave me confidence to try jiu-jitsu. So um, 
And that's why I wear a sleeveless gi when I do jiu-jitsu. And uh, besides, the nice thing about a sleeveless gi is it allows me to wear my belt and show that off without having anybody being able to control my sleeves. So it's kind of nice. It's tough playing Spider-Guard against that, that gi you have there. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm trying to invent one that doesn't have a collar also. So you can't control my collar. But I'll still get to wear my belt. <laughs> yeah. Uh- one thing that Gary is known for uh, is having uh, a really good Kimura, especially against me. Another thing he's known for are his biceps. I mean, <laughs> would you agree to that, Gary? You know, I've always, when I work out, I've always totally believed, and, you know, I know Brian Marvin talks about ABC, but he says it's always been, always be choking. My ABC is all bench and curls. <laughs> so when I work out, I do nothing but bench and curls. And you have to do curls in the squat rack. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. All benching curls. So don't forget go. that. So, th- th- and that goes well with the, uh, r- you know, taking your sleeves off of your gi or any any uh, jean jacket you might have. Yeah, yep, totally true. Gary, I got it for you here. Uh, a gi, it looks like a jean jacket, no sleeves. That's what I need. That's what you need. You can start your own yep. gang. You yeah, don't have to be invited anymore. Well, I call myself the one-man army. One man, two armies, two arms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One man, two arms. <laughs> All right, Gary. Yeah, well, you do not Google that. I don't. Okay, I'll just trust you on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Even, I'm not going to look into that. We'll just leave it be, and I hope it's not that bad. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, this audiobook that Gary's been working on will be out by Christmas, and you could give it to uh, to everybody. Right, well, Gary. If I was a betting man. I would say it's probably not going to be out, but I'm not a betting. Well, shortly after Christmas, it will definitely be out, I would say. Right? Oh, yeah, definitely. If, but if I was a betting man, <laughs> I would say not definitely. <laughs> okay, well, we'll maybe, maybe next week we'll, I'll give you a, a better book title, and, and, and you'll be more inspired by that, and you'll actually come up with your book. Yep, I'll put some effort and attitude into it. There we week. go. I like it, Gary. All right, yep. well, we will catch you guys next week. And as always, uh, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. All right now. Oh, that sucks. Byron, I can't do this very good. I can't. I'm like, Is it funny? oh, okay, I can barely do it. All right. all right now, for all you grapplers out there on the big mat. Oh, okay, I gotta start over. Dang it. I told you can't do it without laughing. Okay. It's not because you're there, it's just because it's weird. So I have to do this whole thing without laughing.